Welcome to 321 Go the Podcast. I'm John Pelkey. And I'm Carissa Galloway, and we're bringing you stories from start to finish to keep the everyday athlete motivated to keep moving towards the next finish. All right, Carissa, today we have an absolutely inspiring and trailblazing duo that many of you will get to see at the 2024 Dopey Challenge, Kyle and Brent Pease. Kyle has quadriplegia with spastic cerebral palsy, uses a wheelchair full-time, has completed endurance events from 5K to Ironman World Championships with his older brother, Brent. Carissa, this is kind of a full circle moment for us because one of our first podcasts, we talked about the celebrated Rick and Dick Hoyt. I mean, and, and when you listen to the story and when you guys, when you are at Dopey, those of you listening, please tell everyone to listen so that you guys can learn about the amazing two humans that you are going to see out there on the course. John, I did this interview. You were doing St. Pete Run Fast, so so I did this interview alone, but I just want to tell you that it, there are parts of this interview, one story in particular that still sits with me, that I think about all the time when I think about our adaptive athletes, our athletes with disabilities, and the magnitude of what Britt and Kyle Peace are doing. The other thing that I learned from this, and I want you guys to go listen, is how can we support our duo teams? What do they want from us and how much that person in the chair is a true athlete and works so hard to be at these events? So, so many goosebump worthy moments. And you also learn about how Britt and Kyle, not only are they out there just doing these races because it's, it's fun and they're really competitive, they love these opportunities, but their goal is to create opportunities of inclusion for every person with a disability. And so their foundation truly does that. And we're going to learn about that as well. Uh, we're also going to open the mailbag to talk about the mental side of going 26.2 and talk about tofu in healthier you. So to all of you who are listening, thank you so much. Please keep doing that. Subscribe, share with your friends, give us a rating. And John, give a, a big, I don't know, four stars, five stars. How many stars do I have to give to Hyper Ice? I am loving my Hyper Ice Go, and I know you are loving that Hyper Ice Venom 2 back brace that has the heat and the vibration. Um, I might want to take it back because no. I am missing it. <laughs> Can I have no, it? No, 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 no. But they shipped them both to my house. All right, fine. You know what I need to do? I need to go to hyperice.com and use the code 321GO and I'll get an extra special discount. I'm going to do that while you guys do this. Let's do it. All right, Johnny, I'm kicking off the chat today. And you and okay. I, uh, about 10 minutes before we started taping, I went upstairs and we had an episode come out today. It was the episode uh, with the hashtag Run Dopey group. And I was listening to it. And I was listening to our chat about San Antonio. I remember how Riley said the thing about, like, you can't teach chemistry. And we made fun of him. Now, you didn't say anything wrong, but you talked about how you didn't get to go to San Antonio, and you were like, it's one of the most disappointing things that's happened to me. And so in listening to it back, I was like, man, you were either extremely invested in San Antonio, or you've had a pretty good life, John. Well, I, you, you, all right. So I probably should have qualified, <laughs> and I have. I've been I've been very, very lucky, surrounded by really, really great people. I, yes, I've been very, very lucky. But what I meant to say, I should have said it this way, is that all my opportunities to travel for work, and I've had a lot of them, it's been great. My biggest disappointment was, was that I didn't get to go to San Antonio because it, I haven't really had things canceled last minute too often. And that was a city, again, that a lot of people told me 
this is going to be perfect for you. So, so that's it. But yes, you're right. I did laugh out loud listening to it because I knew what you meant. And it was one of the, and I just, it was just funny because, uh, you know, sometimes you're funny, John, intentionally or, or I unintentionally. Know, soft hands, counting money my whole life. Yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> well, when, Whatever. you know, on your tombstone out next to the Haunted Mansion, never got to San Antonio. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's that's my autobiography. Never been to San Antonio. <laughs> and it's not like a place you can't. It's not like Antarctica. You know, we're supposed to go. To, it's just it's too hard to get those. It's it's a it's a two and a half hour southwest flight away, John. I know. I and DW so, is in Austin. Maybe you guys could meet up together. I don't know. It's, it's on the list. I know it's, it's on, on the, the list. list. Well, it's on look, the travel. List. All right, you're welcome, San Antonio. Uh, San Antonio just did not pay for this podcast, but it's a, it's a nice <laughs> place uh, here in Central Florida, Johnny. Cold outside. In air it's quotes. Got a little silly. It was 48 this morning. What, what have you been doing? Have you been enjoying this weather? Uh, I have been enjoying this weather. As you know, the endless yard work, because we allowed our yard to get out of control, uh, much nicer to go out. It reminds me of home, gives me a little bit of the feel of the seasons out there in a sweatshirt. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've been trying to do things uh, outside of my house that it'll be much more comfortable doing now. Now, sadly, when it gets cold here, we don't have to cut the grass every 45 minutes like we do in the summertime. So uh, I, I think after we uh, wrap today, I think I might go out, put on the old uh, put on the old ear or put in the old uh, my new uh, earbuds. I bought new earbuds. I get them frequently. It's kind of a thing for me. Um, and uh, listen to a new Peter Gabriel album that came out. So I'm very excited about that. And I'll be cutting the grass. So I was going to say, are you just going to go stand outside and listen to it? Or are you going to actually I'm do gonna cut something? The grass. Okay. I'm going to cut the grass. John's just going to go while. stand in his front yard, put in his earbuds, and listen to Peter Gabriel standing outside. Well, that's a great idea. Pour myself a, pour myself a little glass. We, we, we joined the Naked Wine uh, Club. You know, Naked Wines, you're familiar with those because yes. I get the GQ box every quarter because, again, dandy, counting, you know, soft yep. hands, blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah. And we got a really good coupon for uh, $100 off their original order of 12 bottles. And so I thought that's 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 pretty good because you get 12 bottles for about 90 bucks. So go. we have a little wine here. And uh, so, yeah, well, I don't think there's anything wrong with me standing out in my yard enjoying the cold weather with a with a lovely Chablis or a Cabernet, it's kind of a Cabernet sort of weather we're having now. But I'm enjoying it. I tell you, most we have a lot of friends down here. I'm sure you have these people, too, are just wine, 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 a different kind of wine about, oh, I'm so cold. It's so horrible. And I'm like, shut up. It's so we can sleep nice. with the windows open. You get to we all I don't care how great a shape you're in. We all look better in sweaters, people. Let's admit it. <laughs> And we just don't get to wear them that often. So I'm very excited about I do actually dress up kind of around the house in my fall clothing because I'm not really going anywhere. And I, I, don't, I don't get to uh, I don't get to do that very often. But I'm doing a, I'm doing a corporate another one of my corporate 5Ks tomorrow. And this is going to be the first race I've done in a while where I have to go dig out my uh, my warmer clothing for it. Yeah, you have to bundle brisk. up. And I was going to give brisk. you a little shout out. People might not realize that you and your wife dress very fashionably. You guys always whenever right. we go out, whenever we come over and see you guys, we haven't while because you've been busy you guys I'm always impressed with the wardrobes bit, bit, bit of a dandy oh, that's bit right. of a dandy yeah. shop the sales i do i will admit i shop the sales don't buy a lot of things at retail because just you know in, in a in a let me tell you something people in a tourist town you don't get hometown prices at much of your stores you get the prices people will pay when they're not thinking straight because they're on vacation so I, I i try to look presentable and thank you for that uh, and I'll, I'll pass along my uh, that to my wife as well yeah, she's funnier than you. Not better dressed. I'm saying you're equally well dressed. So oh. there you go. 
she 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 half dressed. I, I I pick out most of my stuff, but I do run it by her to make sure it's okay because I I do at times gravitate towards my old preppy eighties look, and yeah. uh, she she tries to get me to be a, a little you know a, a little more up to date. Mm-hmm. I think I'm at that point where I need a massive refresh, just because with kids, like I don't go shopping. I'll grab things from Target, and I know there's a lot of moms out there, so I I need to in the next couple weeks. I need to go to like. Nordstrom Rack, you know, head over that way, maybe to the outlet Love mall. It. I like the moment it opens and and do a little refresh. We'll see. Yeah, maybe. The, the, the only problem with places like that is, and see if you feel the same way, is you kind of have to go to them consistently because they get shipments in all the time. So it's like if you went, I like Lucky Brand jeans, and they they often have those, and I can get jeans. But you you, you kind of have to catch up because other people like Lucky Brand jeans, and when they get a shipment in, they go pretty quickly. So yep. if you if you're going to shop sure. uh, smartly, people, here's my here's my shopping advice. If you're okay. going to shop smartly, uh, don't. Don't pay retail and uh, as opposed to going out and replacing your entire wardrobe at one time, it's probably better to replace pieces over a a long period of time. And that is my uh, fashion advice. Thank you. First one. First one here on the pod. (laughs) I miss buying sweaters. I used to have so many sweaters when I lived up north. Virginia is a great seasonal state. It is. As you will shout out to our state. It's really great seasonal and particularly up in the Washington DC area, because you get the humid subtropical stuff, but you also get cold enough weather that you can, you can have more than one wool sweater in your closet. And I have zero. I, I, I think I have three. Yeah. Because I visit my mom in Pennsylvania from time to time. All right, John, I'm going to give you two shout outs in one chat. Uh, I, I heard the people did like your Kennedy historical moment. So, and it was more than four. So. Wow. Yeah. There you Was go. Was Riley any one of those? Riley, Riley you... you know, he doesn't listen. Oh, that's a good point. You know, he's very busy. Why listen there. if we told him we were doing Kennedy assassination? Well, stuff. you should. We'll tell him in the. We'll tell him in the trailer. Maybe. Well, he's got time on the car ride. You know, maybe he'll listen. He does. But they maybe did enjoy. So, if you would like more, if you have a historical moment you want us to talk about, four, we'll set on the clock. Johnny can have three minutes. If you have a historical moment you want for Johnny's three minutes, email us three two one go podcast at gmail John's going to create a okay. Gmail account just to fake send stuff that he gets to talk about now. I already have a Gmail account. No, but like you have to have it someone else. So I don't, I know that you didn't send it, you know. I understand. I understand. See where I'm going with that? It's not a bad idea, actually. I'm going to start flooding the mailbox with, uh, (laughs) uh, I just want to say how much John is the finest race announcer in in North America. Maybe I can pick up one of these series of races that are being handed out to other announcers. My goodness. Oh, gosh. All right. Anything else to chat about, John? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm still really looking forward to getting my oven that, that doubles as an air fryer. And so it's now, now we're planning wings and wine day because we have all this wine from that's, Naked Wine. That's right. And I really want to do like a bunch of different wings with a bunch of different sauces. Good. See you there. Sounds fantastic. And, uh, before we get to Britt and Kyle, we want to make sure we give our sponsor a little shout out, right, John? Yes, we want to give a special 321Go shout out to Sarah Akers with Runs on Magic. If you want to experience some extra special magic during those Run Disney weekends, or if you're looking to get away, and who isn't looking to get away on a cruise or anything else, Sarah Akers with Runs on Magic can help. That's right. You're going to get complimentary travel planning services, personalized itineraries, specializing in Run Disney Universal, cruise vacations, wherever you want to go. She's got you. Find her on Instagram at Runs on Magic. Give her that three, two, one, go love. And you can go to runsonmagic.com. Okay, civilians, it's time for the goods. Let's get on to the interview. 
So I'm excited to be chatting with two amazing brothers who have changed inclusivity for so many athletes because of, as you'll soon find out, a competitive nature and an unbreakable brotherly bond. They have broken barriers as a duo at Ironman and the Ironman World Championships, and they're getting ready for their next adventure at the Dopey Challenge. Please welcome to 321Go, Kyle and Brent Pease. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hey, we're good. How are you? I am fantastic. Um, for those who don't know, where where are you guys? We're in Atlanta, Georgia. Always in Atlanta. That's born and oh, bred, well, the whole thing. Well, we've grown, born and raised here. We're, we're certainly on the go a lot more these days. But today we are in Atlanta where we grew up. Awesome. And you know Galloway, Team Galloway is big fans of Atlanta. I've listened to other podcasts with you and I love talking about hearing where you guys run because every time we go to Atlanta, it's like the the same places, little columns drive action happening. We've spent quite a few uh, long days out at columns. So the elder Galloways live about 10 minutes from there. So when okay. we visit, that's that's the the place we go. Do you do the trails or do you do the uh, the pavement? Depends how long we got to go. <laughs> As you guys know, right? The trail is is the preferred method. But then once you've kind of done that, you got to get yeah. out on the road. That's right. That's right. All right. So let's start with something that is super exciting to me. And I don't want to sleep on this one. You guys are getting set for the Dopey Challenge at Walt Disney World in January of 2024. Kyle, where did that idea come from? That's a great question. Uh, it came from just wanting to be prepared. It wanted to look at new races that we carry both buses. It really set us up for success uh, for doing great for When you uh, decided to do it, did you know it started at 5.30 a.m., four mornings in yeah. a row? We definitely did not. Um, we didn't really <laughs> plan through that part of it. Um but I guess when the park's got to be open, we got to get it in. We got to get in and get out. Um, no, we didn't think through that. We, we, but we, you know, we, we love doing these big adventures and, you know, I know we'll get into it, but for a long time, it was just the Ironman because these really long events were super challenging to Kyle. And, and so much of what we do is how do we, how do we challenge Kyle? Because with his physical limitations, sometimes just sitting in a chair for a 5k isn't quite enough to fill his cup. And so looking at this going, hey, for the next four days, you're going to do events over and over and over again. And you're going to do it at 530 in the morning and you're going to challenge yourself. You know, by the time you get to that last that last run, the marathon, you're worn out and it's not easy. And so that really spoke to both of us that as we set ourselves up for a big 2024, why not do it in probably one of the biggest ways possible. Well, that's a really big, exciting way to kick your year off. We'll talk about that a little bit more, but I want to go back to the very beginning because you guys have really maybe intentionally, maybe it just started off as, as a brotherly thing, broke boundaries for inclusivity and endurance events. You've done so much and it really seems like it's something that kind of happened organically the more you guys know about your story um, as if it was destiny. But the seeds for that were planted really early on with your family, the way that you guys grew up, the way that Kyle was included. So Brent, can you share a little bit about growing up with Kyle and how you guys all just kind of played together? You were just kids and just brothers. You know, the the, the story that we've recalled and we remember recently was uh, our the original house, the first house we remember had a living room with two steps to get into it. And that seems like nothing, you know, even a, even a small 
little toddler or a baby crawling can navigate two little steps like that. But for Kyle, it, it, it meant that he was kind of stuck. And so just from an early age, I remember, you know, my parents bringing Kyle up and down the stairs wherever the kids were running to. And so, you know, we learned just about including Kyle from a very early age. And, and that grew into baseball and basketball and football and anything we could get our hands on. Um, and we always found ways to include Kyle. I mean, we we laugh now that in, in high school, we made Kyle the water boy so he could be part of the football team with us. And so it was just figuring those things out. And I think that just gave us the the lessons early on, both from our parents and just from our actions that, you know, sharing these experiences together could be really special. And that grew into this endurance space and grew into so much more with, you know, the all the athletes that that race with us and that that we support. Kyle, I've heard a lot about your competitive nature. Brent already alluded to it, saying a 5K is just not really filling your cup. When do you really remember, you know, that first feeling of you feeling like, hey, I'm, I'm a pretty competitive guy. I, I want to win. I want to be the best. I want to just, you know, what was that? And when did you start that? Uh, it really came out where I was probably in middle school. Um, we I played on wheelchair handball, and it was basically like soccer, um, soccer and basketball put together. And uh, I guess our team wasn't that good, but it just really cues me up to to be the best I can be. And I think that really helped me to, to, to set the foundation for where we are today. I mean, um, People talk about your brother. He's such a great athlete. But are you the best athlete in the family? Without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, I think so. He was like, it's funny now, like when he says that, I remember these moments where, you know, we're playing basketball with these like made up rules for Kyle to be able to play with us. And he's like trying to run his wheelchair into us. He's doing 360s <laughs> to try and like knock the ball away and and you would see him get so angry and actually growing up too, like there was half of us were Georgia fans and half were Georgia tech. And there would be like screaming and shouting and crying at the dinner table, talking about who had the better team and, or whatever. And that like, it was just so competitive. And I don't think any of us really knew how to feed it or even thought we had to. I think we thought we just had to include Kyle. We never thought like, gosh, like, couldn't this be more fun if he felt like he was competing and not, um, not to skip too many steps. That's the beauty of the endurance sports community is that it really feeds that in so many of us, whether you're the person winning the marathon and, and, you know, at Disney or the person that's doing it in six and a half hours, like we all feel like we're part of that competition. And it's just the, it's the beautiful thing that Kyle gets to experience. It really is beautiful. And you kind of, kind of led me to my next question. Um, Brent, you and I share a lot in common, as as you may know, and how you may know, we both went to Florida State. Uh, we left Florida State, as many Seminoles do, a little off the path they intended, <laughs> thanks to all the joys of Florida State. But that kind of led you. You graduated. You're like, what do I need to do? You did an Ironman. And in that Ironman, it built something beautiful. So Kyle, can you take us back to Brent's first Ironman? Uh, that was in around 2010, I believe. Yeah. 2010. Kyle, how did you feel watching Brent? And can you share with us what you said to him afterwards? I guess I guess I was amazed at not only what Brent did that day, but the rest of the athletes, what they did to get to the busy drive. 
and it really reminded me of my life um, because there are so many ups and downs, and so many things that I have to be concerned about that that everybody don't really have to think about all the time. Uh, they do sometimes, but not all the time. So it just reminds me of my life, and um, I wanted to be included. I wanted to be the athlete, and I didn't want there to be a wheelchair in front of a sport, like wheelchair basketball, wheelchair soccer. And so I felt like this was something I could do. Um, and so I asked if people with wheelchairs could do Ironman, then he was very short because he was very tired with um, the day, so he really didn't explain everything. He just said yes, and we were off to the races. So looking back, that was one of the coolest things where we just sat down there and I just started pepper again with a whole bunch of quakies. And the last quakie was get people who look and do Ironman. And, and Britt, I think that anybody that's done a, a long-distance endurance event, you finish it, and the first thing you're thinking of is, I'm going to retire, and I'm never, ever going to do that again. <laughs> um, and then your brother asked you, you know, can people in a wheelchair do it? Where did your brain go when he asked you that? You know, I mean, you mentioned the Florida State path, and I think we could probably interview like 20 people um, if we just put out a survey. Who's who's from Florida State doing the, the Dopey Challenge next year? We'd find a bunch. Um, and so, you know, Ironman really changed my life. It changed the trajectory of my life. Um, just that experience of training and, you know, living clean all of a sudden and not, um, you know, drinking all day on a Saturday or whatever, um, shenanigans we kept getting into. And it just, it was like, this is what I want to do with my life. And I was even sitting there. I mean, I was parking cars at the time when I was training for my first Ironman. I mean, it was, it was not a great place. You know, I, I, I'd park cars till like 11 or 12 and then I'd get up at five and go to the gym. And it was just, I was still so happy doing all of that. And I had already decided that I was going to keep doing this. And, you know, so maybe there was that initial, like finish the Ironman and like, let's go watch football now in the fall. Let's go do nothing. But then I also had this lingering voice in, in, in the back of my head going, can people in wheelchairs do this? And to just add one more piece to it, you know, in 2010, social media wasn't quite what it is now. And certainly when we were growing up in the 90s, there wasn't that. And so, you know, we had heard the story of the Hoyts. We had seen what they did, but we moved to baseball or football. We kind of moved past it. Now you find these stories and you follow them and you stay captivated by, captivated by it. But as we start looking at how to do this, we're like, oh, we remember these people. And so the conversation just never stopped. The training never stopped. And eventually it grew into this space of there's people out there that have shown the way for people in wheelchairs to do this like Kyle. And we're going to keep following that path. And that, you know, by 2011 in February, we were racing together already. So just, you know, a mere five months after my Ironman, we were ready to rock uh, with our with our racing career. How close were you guys with the Hoyts as you started the process and as, you know, you became the second, you know, duo to ever finish the Ironman World Championships? 
So I've never, I don't think we've ever like shared this. I mean, we've shared this story with people, but never out loud. I mean, we, we, they were always wonderful. One of the things that inspired us about them is that they said they responded to every message they got. And we really try hard to do that, but it kept, so I talked to some people, let that motorcycle go by. Um, I talked to some, you know, people throughout the years, some people connected with them and they helped us, you know, get in touch with them. And we had all these opportunities to meet them. And every time we were supposed to meet them, Kyle would get sick or something would happen. And so I met them on a few occasions. Um, and then there was two amazing things that happened when we got into Kona, I get a call from a Boston number and I just, you know, these days we just screen the calls. We don't pick it up. I'm like, this looks like something. So I pick it up and it's Dick Hoyt. And it's September of 2018, you know, just a few weeks before we go to Hawaii. And he says, Brent, this is, you know, Dick Hoyt. He's got that thick Boston accent. And uh, we talk for a few minutes. He wishes us luck. And I say, hey, Dick, like, what's the what's the one thing you would tell me? Like, what do Kyle and I need to know to finish this race? And he goes, oh, gee, I don't know, kid. You seem to be doing all right. Just keep pushing the pedals. And I remember getting off the phone and being like, wait, that's Dick. That guy's a legend. And, and that was all he had for me. I was waiting for the, like, the Vince Lombardi rah-rah. But man, when we got to Hawaii and we were struggling, I just kept thinking to myself, gee, kid, just keep pushing the pedals. And if I can keep the microphone going, the second one was with Kyle. And in 2021, coming out of COVID, we went and did the Falmouth Road Race. And Dick was there. Rick was sick. And we go and Kyle and Dick start talking. And I step away for a moment and I come back and and Dick has been asking Kyle about Hawaii. And he's got, you know, his, his eyes are a little red. Um, and afterwards, Kyle said, you know, what was that? I said, Kyle, you were verbalizing because Rick was nonverbal. I said, you were verbalizing to him an experience that only one other person has had. And it was his son, you know, and, and he had never met you. And, you know, Dick died a year later. And so I just we remember that moment um, because they really blazed a path for people yeah. like me and Kyle um, to experience things like Hawaii, Dopey. And, you know, there's race directors all over the country that um, are more open to inclusion because of people like the Hoyts. So we're incredibly honored at all those experiences we've had with them uh, over the years. Yeah, I think it, I think it gets great because when people don't know me and what we do at the Kyle Peak Foundation, they call they call me Dick. They call me Rick, and that that's an honor, you know. Uh, they really helped us in. Uh, like Red Biggest, um, opened the doors for people like me and Red and so many others to, to do this inclusive sport. God, that's amazing. And, and what you said, he verbalized what only you and his son could have ever experienced and have ever experienced. And that's just truly to God to be able to hear that. It's like a gift, right? Like you gave him this amazing gift and, and he gave, gave you and so many other people the gift of seeing like, okay, we can, we can do this. We can, we can figure this out because to figure out an Ironman for anybody is logistically a lot. Can you guys talk us through your sort of Ironman, your process and basically the equipment? Because it's again, not easy to do an Ironman. And then you guys have this extra added layer on it. Um, we have a lot of help and we have an amazing team that helps us execute these things. I mean, our bike mechanic is one of the most important people on our team because we ride. A, our goal was always for Kyle to ride on the front of the bicycle, not for me to tow him, for him to be an athlete. 
an athlete doesn't sit and get towed like mom or dad did when we were kids, right? Um, so there's this huge, massive team that helps us execute this. But I think just the logistics of planning, you know, you're not just bringing your running shoes and a bike, you're bringing a running chair, the bike, a boat, all the equipment to tie the boat to me, all the equipment to make sure the bike works for both of us. The the logistics of just getting that stuff there. I mean, we've driven it 17 hours to races. We've flown it to Hawaii. So there's just all these extra steps that we have to take. But um, we've been really fortunate over the years that people want to support what we're doing. Um, and so whether they're volunteers or now employees of the foundation, they found ways to support that and help us execute it. And quite frankly, they do a much better job than we ever did. I mean, in the early years, we did it all. You know, I drove the truck. I packed the truck. I was Kyle's caregiver or my dad was Kyle's caregiver. We just drove around the country racing, um, doing everything we could do to get our name out there and just to ex- really more importantly, to experience it. Um, but you just don't think through some of those things. I mean, like in Hawaii, we had to bring a shower chair for Kyle so he could shower in the hotel because at home he's got the nice accessible setup. But what do we do when you're staying in a Holiday Inn Express uh, on Ali'i Drive? Mm-hmm. Um Shameless plug. Um, Is that where you're going to be staying again? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, It's accessible and it's close. Um, But uh, yeah, so like there's all these things you don't think about, like the pads Kyle needs, the clothing matters, especially for Kyle. I know the clothing matters to all of us uh, tri-geeks and runner nerds out there that love this stuff, but it especially matters to Kyle. You know, I mean, I've watched him get sunburns and burns on his body from you know the wrong clothing and and irritation and shoulder pain and back pain and so it's just a ton of stuff i mean we we built out for hawaii we had this these notebooks that we passed out to our team our friend danny made these for us and it was like 25 pages of instructions of like here's what we're doing on monday here's when the equipment has to be delivered on tuesday like every step was detailed out so that we removed any of those barriers to success on race day. Well, Kyle has a degree, I think, in sports management. So, Kyle, do you help with these logistics? Do you put on that management hat? Um, sometimes I'm not. I, I'm not good at it at all. If it, it overwhelms me. Um, so now we have a team in place that 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 that. We lean on for all of that. They they come to me for advice, but when it comes to that stuff, I would just do that because um, they're much better at it than I am. Chris, we gotta we can't mess with the talent, you know. Kyle's the main draw. We gotta keep, we gotta keep him calm and comfortable, so we handle all the. Mess I know no one him. asks, you know, Noah Lyles to pack his own gear, so you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to do it either. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Uh, um, one of the most terrifying moments for me when duos are doing an Ironman is the swim Mm. because there's in general, the swim is terrifying as an Ironman announcer. I think as an Ironman staff member, the swim is, is a scary part. Um, can you talk us through those first couple times of training, you know, doing the swim? Were you ever scared, Brent? Yes. Petrified. So we do this thing with anybody that does a half Ironman or longer. We, we do one triathlon with our foundation. It's a 600 meter swim. You're never more than 200 meters from the beach, the way the course orients. So we don't make them do this, but anybody that wants to do a half or longer, we take them to a body of water and we flip the boat and we put them in it and we flip it because we need to know if something happens, if an athlete grabs onto it, if there's a wave crashing over you, if something happens, how do we manage this? And the first time we did it with Kyle, he went face into the water 
we gave him like just a second to watch his body. He thrashed. We grabbed him and he's spitting water up. And in our mind, we're going, okay, like 15, 20 seconds, you know? And so we get to our first race and it's St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, uh, St. Pete, what is it? What was it called? St. Anthony's. St. Anthony's. Jeez, it's been so long. Um, and race morning, they moved the swim down the beach because the water was so rough. And we're in this moment of intensity and our mom is like bawling her eyes out, you know, cause all she's thinking about these waves that are crashing onto the beachhead of destroying her son. And so that first swim, I kept looking over my shoulder, like every five strokes, I would basically stop and turn and look at Kyle. And the whole time he was smiling and screaming. In fact, he screamed louder every time I stopped because he wanted us to keep going. Um, so we've gained more confidence and we've gained more comfort, but it, it just never it's never a comfortable moment of the race um, because there's so much that can happen. Um, But we buy boats that the kids can fall out of. We, uh, we test it. We come up with a plan. I mean, this is all that goes into that whole logistics document of everything that people are supposed to know. Well, and you are, you come from a swimming background. Is that correct? So swimming is something you have always been pretty good at. Yeah, that definitely helps, but it doesn't help. It's kind of like when parents tell their kids, they're like, I'm not worried about you driving. I'm worried about the other driver. And that's so much about our experiences. Like, yes, I might be a decent swimmer, but what about the person who's nervous and they see a boat and they think it's a lifeguard and they just grab a hold of it? What about, you know, places like Hawaii where there's these big swells that can push boats around? Or, you know, when we've been in Panama City and I mean, we did a race in Panama City where it felt like we were in a washing machine. Yeah. And every time I looked at Kyle, the boat was in a different position. And all I kept, all that kept going through my head was this is the race that we're going to watch him flip out of that boat. And not to mention, like, he gets really cold when he's wet, even in Hawaii. It's just not like we have three outfits for the bike in the event Kyle gets wet. We have all these options of like, we're going to change him and make sure he's dry and comfortable. So, yeah, the swim's intimidating. It's never not been, I think. Our mom is probably the most nervous of anybody when we swim, um, but we do uh, we do everything we can. Uh, you know, I think I, I think that whenever you do something, um, I'm going to magnitude. It's going to be dangerous, right? Um, but you get to put your put your foot in there and, and get in there and do it, and uh, focus on one stroke at a time. Because uh, you look at the whole day at the hundred forty point six, uh, it could be very overwhelming and intimidating. Uh, but just focus on be present in the moment and focus on what you can do rather what rather than what you can do. You mentioned one hundred forty point six miles. You have seventeen hours from the time you start. You guys have seventeen hours. Everybody has seventeen hours. The rules don't change. That includes the time that maybe you're having to change clothes or anything you guys are having to do to change chairs and everything. So, Kyle, Ironman days are hard. They're really long. What do you yeah. like about that? I like it because well, I don't like it. I love it. Because it, it challenges me in a way that I've never been challenged before. And that includes the mental side of it, too. I think that's what I love most about it is the mental side of it and how you're going to react to different situations. And when I did say ethnic, 
in our first Ironman. Um, I wasn't get out there to be out there, but now I'm a student of the game. And but it had really taught me, you know, to look at the spread, then uh, make sure that you're that you're that you're hydrated. So I just love the process of Ironman and how you have to be prepared. You just can't go out there and and expect you're gonna do it in one day. You have to train and you have to love what you do and that's why I love about it is the process of getting ready for the event. Yeah, you can't, you know, you can can you show up and do a 5K? Can you show up and do a marathon? Yes, it happens. Is it a smart idea? No, you cannot show up and do an Ironman, especially not at Kona. Uh, Kyle, what is your training like for these, you know, multi-day events, whether it's Dopey or whether it's an Ironman? What are you doing for training? Yeah, so normally um, we train together for a for Ironman about 10 to 12 weeks out. I will join Brett on the on the column drive um and we have great conversations because they're not a lot of us we put we put kyle through the rigors right. of the training i mean we like 10 12 weeks out we're doing two hour runs we're doing four five six seven hour bike rides we're getting into open water at least once or twice you know because it, it's hard on his body you know it 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 is part of the fun, but you, you can't see it. You, I guess you saw it when you met us in person. Kyle's wheelchair is perfectly contoured to every possible thing that he might deal with from a physical standpoint. Iron Man doesn't do that. Disney dopey, that doesn't happen. You've got to go do what everybody else is doing, and we want to be prepared for that. You know, what's the point of doing this if it's just showing up on race day and go, hey, man, I trained my butt off for the last six months. I'm so ready. What about Kyle? And the mental side of it, he mentioned it like, Man, we've had those training days. We all have, right? You're out there for hours and hours and you just want to stop and you just, you find ways to just keep going and it makes you better on race day. And Kyle's skill, while so much of it is just natural in him, so much of it, he continues to sharpen because we put in those hours together. And like you said, it's, that's as much fun as anything. We can, we're a little bit more light and loose. It's not the intensity of a Ironman race day. Yeah. Uh, what about nutrition, Kyle, for you, you know, out there, maybe it's 15 hours, maybe it's going to be 14 hours. We don't know. We don't know, Brent, what it's going to be this uh, this coming year in Kona. <laughs> but uh, what is your nutrition like when you're out there, Kyle? And normally, normally is I get with the bread, open up a lab bush, and then I, I'll eat with him normally, but now... Um, I have a cadence in my head of when I need to eat and when I need to drink. Um, and I normally don't eat as many calories that bread does, but I still need to maintain my my nutrition, especially on the hydration. That's where I really step up my game during, during the week of the Ironman. So I want to add one other piece because I think maybe this will help people listening in appreciate some of the other benefits. Like we all have these things, you know, doing a marathon is great. It makes you fit. It makes you healthy. But there's these other things that happen because of what you're doing for yourself. And, you know, Kyle, 
Every day when he needs to go to the bathroom, he's got to ask somebody to take him. But you know, one of the best things about racing an Ironman is he, just... he doesn't have to ask anybody to just go. <laughs> and it's actually really, but it's really freeing, right? Like I'm in charge of myself today. I'm in charge of how this day goes. I'm in charge of my attitude. So not only can Kyle take care of himself in an Ironman, he can say, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. He can say, Hey, I haven't eaten in an hour. It's time for me to eat. Our joke is he always hears the wrappers that I'm crinkling and he's like, Hey, what are you eating? Can I have some? But He's in charge of himself that day. He doesn't have to rely on anybody else, really, for his care. For the race, he needs me, and I need him. But for his own self-care, he's on his own. And when he's got to go, do your thing, buddy. We'll wash the bike later, and we'll we'll probably just throw your clothes out. <laughs> what's a, what's your preferred race day? You know, snack, Kyle. Do you have a favorite? Um, I I like. I mean, I love Skittles. <laughs> uh, Potato chips, um, and just whatever I can get my hands on, really. Chicken broth. Yeah, I'm a big fan of chicken broth, though. So, um, and I also like the the energy broth. I love them. I eat them all the time. The Cliff Shot Box blocks is what like he eats. So. Yeah. We start with kind of like the race fuel, and then it gets to a point where he's like, "Just give me chicken broth and chips." Yep. So. Yeah. Well, at Disney, I'll let you know they're gonna not gonna have any chicken broth or chips. You can you can certainly bring your own. We're gonna have some honey stingers, <laughs> probably some sport beans, and at the nice. end you get a little a little food box. So we'll nice. we'll try to take care of sport beans. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big sport bean fan. I like the things I can have. I'm not a goo person. I like to have a few at a time. I like to slow my roll. You know, maybe every mile or so. Kyle, how much you kind of alluded to it? How much are you and and Brent communicating throughout a race? And and what kind of communication is that? Um, during the race, it's a lot of encouragement for me to him. Um, and so, um, sometimes I know what I'm going to say to him, and there are other times, it's just whatever's going on, I, I guess, really try to encourage him and, and stay focused on the moment, and whatever challenges we're facing, let's tackle them and all together. Um, Together, so um, it's a lot of like I think you can, I know we can, um, mentality. But sometimes we we go into a conversation like, "Why do you love me?" And I'm like, "Dude, we're in the middle of the race. We can't like talk about." But sometimes that kind of you know helps keep keep us moving forward. So whatever it takes to get us to the to the bike cut off at 10 and a half hours or less, um, that's our goal. In terms of an Ironman, is that your most challenging discipline, would you say? Or what is your most challenging discipline of an Ironman? Absolutely, the bike. Yeah. yeah. Team and, Liza, yeah. as I'm sure you guys know, came back to Kona this year, had a mechanical, yeah. unfortunately. On the bike, I had not talked to them. I didn't realize it was mechanical. So it was a mechanic. So I, so I was there. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Team Liza is an amazing duo, mother daughter duo, and they finished in what, twenty twenty two, but they were over the seventeen hours. But they did cross the line, and then this year uh, they didn't finish the bike because of a mechanical that they were unable to fix. So guys, bring all those logistics and those notebooks. Uh, those are those are good, right? <laughs> yeah. So we um, we had a cable snap the year we did Kona the Wednesday before the race. And 
That's exactly why we bring a mechanic with us. And because it's not like a walk into a bike shop kind of fix. Like this is a, this is a bike made in Winnipeg, Canada. This is a bike that was originally designed for people with disabilities to be active. We've designed it to be an Ironman vessel. And so I hate that for team Liza. It's just, we in 2019, Kyle and I were there and team Liza missed the bike cutoff that year. And there was another team, a father, son from Miami um, who also missed the cutoff and I had volunteered. So I was in transition. I was helping kind of the PC tent and Kyle was on the other side watching. And when I came out after I had hugged both the teams and, you know, told him I was so sorry. And Kyle said, well, what was it like in there? And I said, you know, Kyle, everybody deserves to experience what we did last year. And it's just such a special thing for anybody whether you're able-bodied or living with a disability, it's a really powerful moment to cross these finish lines and to be able to do it together, to share that experience. Like that's what we're talking about. Like we want to feel those moments together. We both always wanted to be athletes and Ironman marathons, endurance sports have given us that platform to do it and to do it just like everybody else. So we might need some extra equipment. So like when you watch Team Liza, you know, miss the bike cutoff by eight minutes or come across the line just over 17 hours, you're like, mm, you you want it. Like, I don't want to just be the only ones besides the Hoyts that have finished Hawaii. I, I doesn't, it's not good for us. The more people that can do what we do, the better it is when we call Disney and say, hey, we've got this really special situation, this athlete that we want in the race it makes it a lot easier for them to say yes because it's happening more and more and more around the around the globe. Yeah. Okay, for me, that was our audience question. Um, good. Like we talked about earlier, I'm very competitive, and, and I did it. I wanted to be the only one to 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 do Kona, but now with the work that we do. Um, to echo what Brad said, it is so, so vital that more people get to experience inclusivity. And, uh, you know, like Iron Man said, anything is possible. So if you want to do it, go after it. Um, so I really, I really echo what Brad said, and we need more people um, to get out there and, and show what their possible looks like. Yeah, it's possible, and it's hard, but it is possible. So, so but as an athlete, when we stand on the line at, at, at a race, we're I think we all have a little bit of nerves sometimes. You know, can I do this? Am I going to be able to do this today? What's my body going to feel like today? Do you get any kind of anxiety or do you get any kind of those, you know, nerves before a big event with Kyle? Huge. Uh- yeah, absolutely. I I met a guy recently who was super fascinated about what we do. And he's like, do you ever just not want to do this? Because you know, the minute you get in the water, you're just going to suffer all day. And I said, I have had races with Kyle where I dive into the water. And my first thought is, I don't want to do this. Like, I know what's coming. So yeah, the, the anxiety is always high. There's the, the the pressure of not only making sure I'm ready and that I'm capable, but that Kyle is too. Um, and so those, those pre-race nerves don't go away. It's never been more intense than it was in Hawaii. There's so many people it's, it's, it's a world championship race. It's not like people walking around like half, like, I mean, they're happy, but they're all ready to, to 
crush yeah, somebody. Yeah, this year's men's race in 2024 yeah. is going to be a real <laughs> intense environment. Yeah, I heard the vibe was great this year. It's by great the for the women. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just remember we were like there and I couldn't like swallow. I couldn't like everything was like sandpaper. I was literally spitting water out. I put a gulp of water in my mouth and I would just, I couldn't like, and I finally said, I was like, how are we going to go to the water? Like, just get you in the boat and let's just go out to where it's quiet. And then I finally started to calm down, but there's, I've never, but like you welcome that because it's not, it's a, you know, suffering is a privilege. Mm -hmm. Pressure is a privilege. Mm -hmm. And we get to do that. Kyle said it. And that's so special that we've found a way to experience athletics like that. I mean, that's Kyle was the the equipment manager for his high school women's basketball team and they won the state title, but he didn't get to feel that pressure. You know, I was on a uh, football team that made it to like the quarterfinals, but I never saw the field. I just stood on the sidelines, right? Like here we are in the world championships because of each other, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a true team and that pressure was real and amazing. And hard. Yeah. I, I think one of the most cool things about the I am about the world championship is even before you race, everybody is trying to get to the sea board to have a seat for the swim. And all the athletes and the volunteers, they go through the same interest that everybody else does. But it's no locker room or no special hallway that the athletes go down. Everybody together is going to witness one of the best days in the history of our sport. That's and cool. how cool is that? Yeah, you get those and, drums going in the morning yeah, on the seawall. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. Um, so you guys are going back, as we mentioned, you're going back to Kona. You have a different goal this year uh, in terms of you sort of raising awareness and raising funds. Can you tell us about that? So uh, we, uh, as we, I think we mentioned, we have five inclusive employees that work for the Copy Foundation now. And uh, it's just something really special to us. And so is Kona. Um, and so we've built a campaign around supporting that program. So we're going to be raising $750,000 to support that program, to grow it by another three of our athletes. Um, and really the most important piece is that they'll all be getting a legal retirement style contribution. So people like Kyle living with a disability are restricted in the amount of assets that they can have. Um, there are ways that you can still support people with a disability, special needs trust, um, uh, able saving accounts. So there's these vehicles that are available and we're working with some really smart attorneys to structure a program that will allow us with this funding to make contributions to those uh, legal savings vehicles for them. Um, so that, you know, in 20, 30 years, you know, many people like Kyle, they may not have a brother or a sibling that's willing to be a caregiver for them at some point. Their primary caregiver is their parent. And when when that parent is gone, it's not usually a pretty picture, but to have a little bit more because of the opportunities here. So, you know, there's a there's a personal purpose of experiencing these things together while we still can. Um, there's also a deeper mission behind what we do here at the Cop Peace Foundation that more and more people should be able to have that feeling, that experience, like we talked about with Team Liza. I, would, I always wonder, 
for you guys, and this question is especially for Kyle, when we see you at a race, we see the duos at a race, whether it's as a spectator, as a, as a participant, or even as an announcer, how can we best support you? What is helpful that you hear out on course? You know, what are things maybe that people think is supporting, but it's really not? Like, what, do you, what can we do for you on the course that resonates with you, that inspires you, that keeps you going? I get it. I get it. I think you said it. Get it. Be you. You know, and and you see, I'm struggling. You know, pick me up by the by the by the frog or or you know, whatever it takes. But I think you get you being there and all the rest of the spectators being there. That inspires me. And that give me um the the determination to keep going. And this guy right here keep me going as well. But what can you do? Get get being there and yeah, we get around and you can't really help me out. You you all are really good at your job. Yeah. You know, and you know where people you see the people before they often do who need your energy and that support and you know you said something to me when we first met that I just loved. You were like, tell me a bright spot in your day, right? A bright spot for us when we're racing is going by somebody like you who spends all of their energy on everybody else. I mean, that, I can't imagine how exhausting that is that you stand up there for 17 hours or 10 hours or whatever the, the race duration is. And you watch them come in, you call them by their name, you point out what they're accomplishing and you tell their story in a way that they feel like they're the most important person in the room. Um, and for us racing as duos, when we cross the line, I, it's very rare that we don't feel like we're the only ones crossing the line in that moment because of the, the energy that you throw at us. I mean, I, I totally agree the person I met you. We had a very, a very, you know, heartfelt conversation. And I didn't even know you, but I felt like I knew you, and you you felt invested in me, and Melissa, my caregiver, that was with me. I guess it was really cool to, to, to meet you and to be a part of that conversation. Well, those are very kind things, and I just think as an, as a very average athlete, running, endurance events, they change people's lives. And maybe it's that day, maybe it's the journey to get there, but I think that anybody who's done it knows the power of that. And we just want to celebrate everybody that we always say has the courage, you know, to get out there and try. And you guys are doing that in a big way. I, I want to rewind a little bit because I want to just clarify something, Kyle. Your first 10K, what did you wear to your first 10K? Man, uh, I wore my public outfit. Um, and back then, we had to wear tie. Is that, um, and so that's why I wore two. You didn't have the tie on, at least. That was in the hip pocket for later. You just were like, I gotta, did you have to work that day? I had to work. I I had to get, I had to get money that day. So I didn't know I would get, get going He didn't know what it was, right? Like, it's just like, oh, like, he's just going to push me. So I'll just wear my work uniform. I was like, hey man, like, you're going to sweat. You're going to like your body is going to move in ways it's not used to. Like it's not going to be an easy 10 K just cause. And uh, 
so now Kyle shows up with, you know, his leg shape like me and his lycra on and his Oakleys. And, you know, he looks like he looks the part of an athlete, um, but he did not that on day one with a with a with a public grocery store uniform. Yeah, yeah, Dan did there. I mean, everybody loves public. So I don't think anybody, especially in Atlanta, nobody's going to be mad about that. They've... <laughs> It's just, you know, we all, it's, it's that no matter who we are, we all start the first race with a little bit of, I don't know everything. And I always say to the triathletes, my goodness, the first triathlon you do, you're going to get side eye from everybody. Cause you're going to do something that's not, you know, by the book. There's so many unofficial rules. You guys are probably veterans now. Uh, Kyle, you had a big year. Um, you've got a new apartment in 2023. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's uh, it's something that I've always wanted to do. Um, live independently, and I love it. I'm into um everything is automated by Google, so I can come and go as I please. So I came up to all office meet Brett to be with you today, and then I'll go back and I uh, handle out some more work. Um, so it gives it a freedom that I cannot really express in words what it means to me to have my own place. It's something that I can call mine. It's, it's really powerful. I can see that you're smiling, like even now as you're talking about it. And I think a lot of people don't realize, uh, Brett, the beauty that being able to live independently, you know, something we take for granted. So that's, that's really awesome for you to be able to have that. And I love, I was watching some of your videos, you riding on Marta. Um, I absolutely love <laughs> watching that because Jeff Galloway has been known to take Marta quite a bit as well. He's a very practical man. So maybe someday you and Jeff Galloway might meet on Marta. Some of the best, um, some of the best donors have come from Marta. So, um, I'm not afraid to talk about it. It could get anywhere, and that includes Marta. I've taken the Marta over to the Peachtree Road Race, which is, aside from Boston, my favorite race mm-hmm. in okay. the world. How many we times have it. you guys done Peachtree? We've been doing it for 10 years now. 10 straight years. All right. Well, we before, grew- before we wrap, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about Disney again. Um, are you, you guys know Disney is, is half race, half costume. I brought oh. this up when I saw you guys in September. Where where are you guys on the wardrobe front here? I mean, and a Publix outfit would be considered a costume, so you could actually cycle back to that. We can run it back. Uh, yeah, I do. Hey, anything is, is um. I did not. I did not really spend a lot of brain energy on this costume thing after you told us. You have time. Yeah, so I've got an eight and five year old, so I, I think they're more excited about being there for. What happens after 5 a.m., um, I think they would be extremely disappointed to see all those costumes and see me not in one. So we got to work on this. I will let you know we have a guest on costume that Weston just did a 10K in. It's been washed. If anybody uh, is feeling. Not for the mar- costume for the marathon, too? People, yeah, people, yeah. It's. Not all, not all people, though. Most. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not all, but everybody even has like even some kind of character like tank on or like some type of Disney bounding or like a hat. Uh, so I just I don't want you to get there and have FOMO. Okay. Okay. We had a, we we had an athlete in, in D.C. We were there for the Marine Corps Marathon a couple of weeks ago, and he wore a costume. And he I was like, "You sure?" 
um, because he was um, using a hand crank. So he was going to have to self-propel a little bit. And afterwards, he was like, hey, man, I definitely shouldn't have done that. He was so hot sitting in that costume. So I'll have to think. I mean, it doesn't need to be like a a Halloween costume. It could just be a shirt, a hat. I don't know. I'm just going to put it out there. And it can evolve as the weekend goes. Maybe you come 5K day. Usually people will do the bigger costume on the 5K day and then kind of back it off as it goes along. Yeah. Yeah. So just... And we could maybe our our run Disney friends can give you guys some ideas. Maybe we'll crowdsource. Well, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you this. I know nobody else is gonna see it, but I, I did get a little crazy for um for for the Marine Corps. That that's crazy right there. Okay. Yeah. Right, so we can go with like the prefontaine look then. That I mean that's always popular in our house because Jeff Galloway was featured in the Jared Leto version of Pre. So oh. he had there's a there's a line. Hot dog, Galloway, hot dogs again. Mm. yeah so we are we're big fans of pre there all right you guys come in in january we are so excited to see you there we have a few closing questions we always do so did you guys decide who was going to answer these or are you both going to do them all right we'll let kyle lead and if he if uh we'll go from there okay so the first one is when you get to that hard place whether it's in a race in a workout or even in life kyle how do you motivate yourself to keep going um, I just think about all my bad feelings and just, just stay positive. We both talk this year a lot together and, and to people when we speak that, you know, the next step, you you don't know the impact that that next step will have and whether that's on you or the people around you. And so in those moments of adversity, instead of running away from the struggle, step towards it. That next step can be yeah. the most impactful one. and And... Connor talked a lot about that this year. I like that. All right. The next question seems a little silly to ask you guys because you are probably a lot of people's answer to this question, but uh, we'll start with you, Kyle, again. What is the most inspiring moment that you've seen at an endurance event? I'll say it before while he's thinking about it. When we crossed the finish line in Hawaii and I grabbed Kyle by his cheeks, um, and I was looking into the eyes of a world champion athlete, I realized that for the last 14 and a half hours that I saw something more incredible than any other athletic experience or event that I'd ever been to. And that moves me every time I think about it. I would just say just being there that day in 2018, um, and it really felt right. We were a part of an amazing community. And that's something I will never forget for the rest of my life. I can only imagine how loud it was on Elite E Drive when you guys came down there. I was there when Chris Nichick finished. That was that was an amazing feat as well. Brent, I do have one more question for you because I, I thought about it as you were mentioning that when you after 14 hours you turned around and you looked at his face. I think this happens to a lot of us in a race. We're doing a race and there gets to be a moment where your brain says, I'm I'm gonna do this. I actually think this is where was your moment where you were like, we're going to finish. This is going to happen. And what did that feel like? Um, I, I hadn't thought of this before. And it like, that just made me emotional thinking about it as, as we were coming to the finish line. So, you know, by the time we got to Elite Drive, it was dark. It was quiet. Most of the people that were there had already moved closer to the, you know, when you're there for the pros and the elites, like, all of Elite Drive is jammed with people. They had all jammed into that finishing shoot. And our coach um, met us first as we were going into where the barriers are. So all like, what is that, like a quarter mile back? 
And he said, that was amazing. And it just all hit in that moment. Like, and so for, for over 14 hours and 28 minutes up till that moment, it, it had never really sunk in. Like for the last seven years, this was the moment that we had been going for. And he just said it to both of us. This was amazing to watch. And it just, it all started to hit. And then you come into the crowds and you go up that ramp and we had Mike Riley call us home. Like it's all coming. Like, so there was, it was just a really intense day in Hawaii. I think so many of these other races we've done, we get off the bike and we're like, okay, we can do this. But there were so many moments where we we questioned that. Um, And that moment right there entering the shoot, um, it just all sunk in how special uh, it was. And we were literally about to be Ironman world champion athletes. And making history, you know, once again. Uh, For you guys, what's next? How can we support the Kyle Peace Foundation and how can we uh, follow more of your great races? Uh, well, of course, Dopey is next. Um, so we'll be down there with 15 of our athletes. Um, so follow us on social. Um, we do the Atlanta Publix uh, half marathon February 25th this year. We are in need of pushers, teammates. So if you're interested in uh, lending your legs to somebody, follow us, go to the website, sign up for the newsletter, join us when these opportunities come up. You don't realize we just said it. You don't know the impact that those next steps will have. And imagine those steps behind an athlete like Kyle. Well, we call them Roll Disney, not Run Disney, Roll Disney. So we can't wait for you guys to join our Roll Disney family very soon. Kyle, Brent, thank you for the endless inspiration. We'll be keeping an eye on that training. We'll be looking for those costumes. And we'll see you guys real soon. Hey, thank you. All right, athletes. Here's the drip. Time to shape up your diet. Carissa, give them the goods. All right, today in Healthier You, we're going to talk about a food that you either love or you're terrified of or you refuse to ever try, but it's tofu. And for many cultures around the world, this is a staple. So if it is, let's keep eating it. If it's not, maybe we can push you on over. It's an amazing, versatile food that comes from soybeans. So picture it like a culinary chameleon because it's going to take on the flavors of whatever you cook with. It's like tofu says, hey, I'm here to mingle with your taste buds. Make your meal awesome and add in a little vegetarian protein. Uh, Reasons why you should try it is it's a nutritional powerhouse. As I said, it's packed with protein, which is great for muscle building, great for recovery after long runs. Uh, So if you're into being healthy and strong, tofu is like your trusty sidekick. It's also not just for women. It's not just for men. It's for everyone. Tofu is a universal pal, so it doesn't discriminate. So men, if you had heard years ago that you shouldn't have tofu, You don't need to worry about that. Go ahead and dive into the tofu goodness. It's got that protein. It's low in calories, high in nutrients. Uh, It is a fantastic source of iron and calcium, which if you are a vegetarian, you need to get. If you're a woman, you need to get calcium. John, where are you on the friendship with tofu? I really like tofu, but it is one of those foods. And, you know, I'm not a picky eater at all. There are really not anything I don't like, but it's one of those foods that there are preparations for it that I I like a lot. And then there are preparations of it that I don't quite like as much. Um, But I would say I will I I have no discrimination against tofu. It just depends. It's something that needs to be dressed up correctly for me to really uh, enjoy it. 
Well, I think I like uh, the firm tofu. That's typically if you're getting it in a cooked preparation, that's what you're going to do. So if you're cooking it at home, the key is that you want to get out that excess water. So when you take it out of the container, it's going to be in a block. You know, you want to squeeze it. If you want to make a stir fry, that's the simplest way to do it. You know, you'd squeeze the tofu, cut them into little stir fry cubes, toss the tofu first. I think when you get a crunch on it, and my goodness, if you fry it, then it's really delightful. But uh, get that golden brown on the tofu, then add in your colorful veggies, garlic, ginger, stir fry that until everything's crisp, and then add in your sauce. Is it a soy sauce? Is it a teriyaki sauce? Do you have one of those little, the sauces that come from the Japanese steakhouse that are not great for you, but very delightful? Uh, Mix all that together, serve it with noodles, serve it with rice, but it is a very affordable, very healthy protein that I'd love to help you add into your diet a little bit more. If you want to make changes in your diet, if you need challenges to do that, if you need accountability to do that, as a registered dietitian, I know that matters. So you can join my 12-week online nutrition course. You can join at any time, but it's a 12-week course where the courses open up in sequence, so you're forced to learn before you move on, but you do have a year to access the course. So it's 12 weeks. You can access it for a year, and in that year, you get one chat a month. It's a nutrition seminar with me. It's a group chat. You can ask your questions. We can vote on how much we love or hate tofu. It's a fun group. It's a healthy group. It's called Healthier You. Go to GallowayCourse.com and use the code podcast to save $150. Athletes, listen up. It's mail call time. Announcer free present. All right, Sarge. Today's question is from Brandy Copley, who emailed us this. And this is going to be a question for you, Carissa. But Brandy says, the Disney Marathon on January will be my first attempt at a full marathon. I follow the Galloway training plan, so I'm good on training. But can you share any tips for the mental side of your first marathon. I'm racing alone and I'm slow. So 26 miles seems like a long time to stay out there and keep going. And also, if you have any quick nutrition tips, that would be helpful. All right. There's a lot in there to unpack. I got a lot of ideas. I don't know where to start. So much to say to you. But one, Brandy, if you're already saying you're good on the training, then you're good on going the distance. So I don't like that you're thinking, well, 26.2 miles is a long time to stay out there. Get that idea out of your head. Start reminding yourself and telling yourself that I've done everything that I need to do to go this distance. I can go this distance. I will go this distance. The other thing to know is you're actually not alone because you're going to be part of the Run Disney family. And so there are going to be people with you all the way around the course. Use those to your advantage. So when you're feeling good and maybe you see somebody else maybe looking like they're struggling, give them that energy. And just know when you need that back, they're going to be there for you. A couple tips I like to do is I always like to thank the volunteers verbally. So if I get to a point in a race and if it's a marathon and it's maybe mile 12 or 13 where I can't physically stop and say, thank you, volunteers, or wave to the police officer and say, thank you, That tells my brain, I got to dial this back. I'm going too hard and I'm not going to maintain this energy the whole way. So starting slow, keeping consistent with your training. If this is your first marathon, don't worry about a time. Worry about finishing and then think about mantras. Now, I wish Papa Galloway was here. Jeff Galloway is great at mantras, but a simple one, um, I can do it, I can do it. Jeff likes the mantra of I'm strong, and you just repeat that in your head, I'm strong, I'm strong. Um, I steal my mantra a lot of times in races from Peloton. There's an instructor named Christine, and she says, I am, I can, I will, I do. And that one for me is a really good one because I think it lets you, I am, I can, I will, I do. And it's the emphasis on I do, I'm doing this, I'm going to do it. 
Um, in terms of nutrition tips, uh, we have a podcast coming out in a few weeks with Jamie Lee McIntyre, so that's going to be a great podcast for you to listen to. She's a fellow dietitian like me, but make sure you have enough fuel for you to eat from the hotel to the race and all the way across the race course. Don't just rely on what Disney's going to have out there. Bring some goose, some chews, some gummy bears, whatever you're training with at home, bring enough with you to get that energy going. Because sometimes if your energy dips, it's not because your training wasn't right. It's not because you're not going to be able to do it. It's because your body needs carbohydrates. That was a lot, John. Do you think she'll find it helpful? Uh, I think she will find it helpful. (laughs) No. I, I think she will. And I do. I do. And I, I find it uh, helpful, even though uh, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to make the 26.2, but I'm taking these things in for the 6.2 that I have to do, which sounds like a lot uh, for someone like me. Yeah, I think if you always understand, like, there's going to be a part where I'm going to want to quit. And you have to get through that part because you never know when you're going to feel good. And that also comes down yeah. with time. I did that in a race. I was I had a time goal. And at mile 18, I just felt horrible. And I took a walk break that was like three to four minutes too long. And then I felt better. But that three or four minutes when I gave up on myself, I couldn't get back. Had I just stayed in it and been okay being uncomfortable, knowing this is temporary. This was always going to be uncomfortable. I trained for this. I'm strong enough. I am. I can. I will. I do. I would have got through it and had a little bit of nutrition, had a little bit of sugar, and felt better. So don't put your hands up. Don't do the, you know, walk that never ends. Stick with your ratio. Stick with your training and know it was supposed to be hard. I signed up for this because I wanted to know what I did in life when it got hard. So go find out. That's a good point. And also, you should let people know when it comes to time, there are external factors which can negatively affect your time that you can't do anything about. It's raining a little. It gets slippery out there. You have to slow down. You're not used to running in the humidity. You're not right, used to running in 38 degree weather, which we had uh, one year. So uh, I, I, I love that idea. It's just uh, keep your head down. Uh, hard work's the only thing that really ever gets you anywhere. So uh, so there you go. And I speak as a as a as a 5K veteran. That's right. Well, thank you, Brandy, for the question. Um, Definitely say hi when you're out there. We can't wait to celebrate you across that finish line. Yeah, very excited. Very exciting. Congratulations. And and good good on you for keeping up with your training and feeling good about that. Because, boy, that's got to be half the battle when you're staring into the face of of, of such a a long way to go. And, folks, we want your questions. You can email us your questions at 321gopodcast at gmail.com. We'll also take stories. Uh, If you have any jokes... That you want to, uh, and apparently, if you want to talk about some historical moments with me, if you want some, if you want some Johnny's historical moments, uh, throw something out there. I will say I'm really good with the Kennedy assassination, as we talked about. Big Civil War buff, pretty good on the Revolutionary War. Love post, and just anything, folks. Throw anything out there. I'll, I'll find something interesting to talk about. I can't wait for three minutes on the bubonic plague coming next week. On Ooh, I, three, I, you know what? I just read a really two. interesting article about uh, a, a, a city in uh, England that they've they've uh, they've uncovered a lot of uh, skeletons from back during uh, Black Plague era, and uh, they're learning so much more. They can do so much more with. Wait, uh, I want to know next week. I do want to know. Yeah, it's Save really. It. I'll have I'm gonna, to find that article you get three again. Three minutes. But it was really the plague next week, folks. Three, two, one. Infectious diseases. There we go. <laughs> Once again, that email is three, two, one, go podcast all together at gmail.com. All right. Thank you guys. A huge thank you to Brent and Kyle. We can't wait to see them at Dopey. We can't wait to see you on social media in real life. Thank you for listening. We'll see you real soon. And bye bye. Hey.